Hey, hey, folks. Welcome to episode 185 of Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast. As you all know, we are a Paul McCartney talk show mainly dealing with the solo career of the one and only Paul McCartney. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Tom Hunyadi, and you may know me from my other show, Talk More Talk, a solo Beatles video cast. At least I, I hope you've seen it a couple times, but uh, <laughs> once but or twice. That's where we once or twice. That's where we talk about all things solo Beatles, um, John, Paul, George, and Ringo, and we have a great time doing that with Ken Michaels, Kittle Tool, and Joe Mayo, and myself. And I'm joined by my partner in crime here on this show. He is. Uh, Andy Nichols, he's my backwards traveler, my partner in crime. Uh, Andy, what's going on? Not much, brother. Good to be back, and uh, I'm great to have another fellow Beatles podcaster in the YouTube land uh, join us for today. And uh, you know, welcome, welcome, Tone. Thanks very yeah. much Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, Tone, as you know, is um, well. We know him as uh, Tony uh, Shelley. He's uh, also well, more well, probably more well known on the YouTube world as Beatly Tone Beatles Channel. And uh, Tone, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Yeah, so, and uh, yeah, Tone. I just have yeah. to say at the at the top, I've, your channel's been a great addition, and you've been the only person to do a real deep dive into the archive sets and actually looking at the actual boxes and this books and pointing out the, the bits that you like out of the best of them, which I thought was a really, really great thing. Cause we've talked ad nauseum about these boxes, but you actually physically showed them, which was a really cool thing because as we know, a lot of them are rare and out of print and uh, yeah. you're showing people and younger fans what's in these things and making them go on to discogs and eBay and paying them swords, Sort of prices for them. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, well done. You know, I thought that, that you know that there's so many people that are still trying to get ones that they've yeah. missed, and they're so so expensive now that I thought just thought it'd be a good idea if people could see what was actually in the box uh, and what they're going to be paying this huge amount of money for. You know. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, he, yeah, he also did a really great video on the average price of. Uh, you know these, yeah. these what's they're what they're fetching for, what they went for when they were released, and what they're up there, what they go for now. So check that one out too, because you can he did Tone did a nice job of actually just showing the breakdown of the pricing and how absurd it's mm -hmm. got with these with these archive releases. Yeah, yeah. So Thanks, today's show, yeah, we we got Tone on. Uh, we've been talking about doing something together, and we we're gonna do um, five things that we think. Paul McCartney has gotten right in his solo career, and it can be, you know, uh, you know, music-wise, it can be business-wise, uh, keeping his personal life out of it. We we know he did the right thing by marrying Linda, you know, <laughs> so yeah. that's that that's that's an easy one. So we're gonna keep that one that one. And we know uh, he did out the wrong of... thing as well. Yes. We... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then he did the right yeah. thing by giving her the boot. So. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Anyways, but before we get to that, we're going to talk to uh, Andy and Tone about two things that they've been to recently. And Andy, you just got to meet uh, Peter Gabriel uh, during a book signing, right? I did. I did. I got to meet one of my icons. As you as you YouTubers know, I'm a huge yeah. prog rock fan and a Genesis fan and a Peter Gabriel fan. And I had a chance to go to New York and uh, and meet him and get a copy of this book which is uh, titled Do Everything Better with Music, Reverberation. But he didn't actually write the book. He actually only wrote the forward. Um, the, book is, the book is written by, by a chap by the name of Keith Blanchard. 
and the forward was written by Peter. And um, it was a nice event. It was at the historic um, Strand Bookstore, which has been in uh, New York City staple since 1927. So, you know, and the book signing was on the third floor in the in the rare book room. So this wasn't like a Barnes mm. & Noble's. This was a true, new, authentic New York City bookstore. And uh, we were we, we queued up in the line outside. Uh, I don't know. There must have at that time there was maybe 10 people in front of us. So got up there and met him, had a nice exchange with him for a minute, told him that, uh, you know, I, I show a lot of his videos to a lot of my students. And he said, well, they, are they freaked out by the costumes? I said, no, <laughs> they're not. And he goes, that music, he goes, that music's very old. I said, he goes, thanks for keeping it alive. And I said, thanks for making it. And I'm looking forward to seeing your new album and tour and shook yeah. my hand and went on my way. Cool. Very cool. So, uh, I mean, 10 people in front of you. I mean, was it, do you get to see how long the line was behind you at any chance? Yeah. I, by the time we queued up, um, the signing was from, he was doing two hours worth of signings from 3 to 5 p.m. Okay. New York time. Mm. So we got there about, well, I don't know, one thirty, and there was already 10 mm. people in front of us. By the time we had started to go in, the line had probably stretched two city blocks. Okay. You know? So, and, uh, and there was no guarantee, like by five o'clock he was leaving. So, right. Yeah. And that's the thing though, because some, some, you know, musicians or authors or whatever, they'll keep signing, you know, until everybody is done. You know, I've, I've been to a couple, uh, signings myself and you're, you're like, you know, you feel like, okay, you're like two, 300 people deep and you're like, okay, I'm, we're going to miss this. Is, we're not going to get, there. Right. <laughs> you know, the hour is going to go by, but yeah, but some of them keep on going until all of the uh, books are signed. Some people even sign them beforehand right? You know, and, and just hand them out to you. Right. You know? So I was, I, so it, which wasn't the case that I didn't know if it was going to be like an assembly line where you just kind of go and right. go, but um, you know, but they were pretty strict about, um, what you could have signed, you know, now that he, you were only, he was only signing the book. You couldn't bring in. Right. You know, you, 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 you brought the lamb with you though. Did you end up bringing the lamb with you? I did. Now <laughs> here I have my, I, here's what I was going to do. If I was given the book ahead of time, I was going to just slide right. the CD insert into the book and go, here you go. Which they did, but it was very too quick. And, and I, I, right. they, I wanted to honor the request. They didn't want to do anything else. So I just put right. the CD book back in my, you know, my pocket, but some other people brought, boxes oh, yeah. of stuff and i'm like that's just you're not gonna that's not gonna work if you're gonna be if you're gonna be coy about it and slick you got to try to do it right. the right way and and um right. and, and i just didn't want to I, I didn't want to it was a nice moment and i wanted to leave it alone as that and he was he was you know shook my hand and uh, we were wearing masks but um because you know mm. obviously he's he's just about 70 i think he's he was born in 52 so he's up there okay. and he's taking the you know and he doesn't travel all that much so you know, right. especially in America in the last 20 years. So it, it, um, I've never seen him live. I've seen Genesis. So if he tours next year, I would, I can't wait to go see him. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a treat to be able to work that, uh, be the Peter Gabriel sting show, uh, a few years, mm. uh, ago and get to hear him. So I did get to hear, and, and I saw a few minutes of it, but, uh, to hear him, you know, sing some of these songs was, was really and cool. And stings open up with, yes. with the moonlit night. Well, it was just that opening line. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Tone, are you a uh, you Gabriel Genesis fan at all, or anything like that? Yeah, I well, I'm I'm not really a, I'm not really a prog fan, which is odd because because of my age. That when I was a teenager, you know, everyone mm -hmm. at school was into prog, into Genesis, into Yes, and right. I, I tried, 
I tried loads of times, but I couldn't really, it didn't really strike a call with me. And it was kind of just at the time where I'd sort of um, discovered the Beatles. So there's everyone else, you know, in the class that are into all these prog rock bands. And, uh, and there's, there's me who's, um, you know, just (laughs) just discovered a band that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> but but like you, when when you said about the, the about the things that you you, you know you took the, the you know the lamb lies down in Broadway uh, to Peter Gable that's pretty normal for these signings they'll only sign oh, yeah. the thing that they're yeah. promoting because when I I met Paul he casually drops into the conversation it was it was around two thousand and five and he was promoting the um, the kiddies book that he wrote High in the Clouds that's yeah. what he was signing. But I took my Chaos and Creation booklet to sign. That's what I wanted. It, that's what I really wanted him to sign. But they said straight right. away, he's not signing anything else apart from the book. And that's wow. it. Right. Yeah, they're very yeah. strict with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, some people, people don't care. Through, you know. Right. Yo, yeah. There's so many people that you can't spend so much time, you know, signing, you know, boxes full of stuff. Like Annie said here, people bringing boxes full of stuff. Yeah. We, <laughs> but we but I've seen that 90... too, you know. You know. Yeah. Go we ahead. were told we had 90 seconds with him. That was it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. To move on. Well, yeah. You know, as, as people, you know, we like to see what we can get away with, you know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, obviously, <laughs> you know, if we could bring something in for him to sign, you know, <sighs> we're going to we're going to try. But uh, but that was cool, Andy. Glad that happened for you, and got finally glad you got to you know meet one of your heroes. That was really cool. Yeah. But uh, but Tone, you also got to um, go to a a show where you know Andy and I we've got to see Mark Lewison a couple times. Now I got to uh, see a presentation he did during the White Album Symposium back in eighteen, and then this this uh, this past April. Uh, Andy and I were both at the fest, uh, you know, and he did another presentation there, which was really cool. But and we met him. But he, yeah, and we and we, yeah, we just got to spend some time with him too, which was really great. Um, yeah, Tone, you you went to this uh, show that he did now called uh, Evolver, right? Yeah, Tell us a little yeah, bit about right. that. Well, I, yeah, yeah I've, I've I've never met him, and this was the first time that I'd seen him live. And what mm. a great presenter he is of stories. Right. Uh, really great. I mean. It was all about it, it was uh, the, all about the year 1962, and um, he he demonstrated the the stories with he had an artifact up on the screen, and he had 62 art, artifacts because it was 1962, and he talked probably for about two minutes on each on each thing, mm. starting with the sort of the January the first, the Decca auditions, and he, had, he the artifact that he used for that was the alarm clock that Brian Epstein gave the Beatles because they were notoriously bad at waking up because they'd been, <laughs> they went down in, down to London for New Year's Eve, I think. And he was worried that they wouldn't get up in time for the audition. And that's, and he, he, he told some great stories and some real, you know, revelations, things that I didn't know about, like, you know, things like the, the, the fact that the, the Beatles weren't turned down by Decca, they were, were offered a deal. And it was Brian mm-hmm. Epstein that decided that he didn't want to, you know, he said that he'd been offered something else by another uh, another label, obviously Parlophone. And, and um, you know, he showed, he showed on the screen the letter that, you know, that Brian Epstein sent to, to Dick Rowe, which was, you know, this was a, <laughs> a revelation, really. 
And, right. uh, you know, it's just a really great, really great show, really well presented, very entertaining. You know, he's quite funny at times. And, um, you know, it was really, I was really glad that I went to it. It was really good. That's really interesting, Tone, because, I mean, the accepted history in the 50, 60 years oh, on now is, that just, is yeah. that just that? It's though they just turned him down. Dick Rowe from Decker right. turned him down. And Mike Smith, I believe, was the one guy who recorded him, just turned him down. And but yeah. that's, that's not the case. And that, it absolutely blew my mind that that did. Because, I mean, Dick Rowe, poor bloke, he went to his grave being known as the bloke who turned down the Beatles. And, uh, right. Because that and, became the accepted truth. Yeah. 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 And it, it, it did. And I think I think that that was sort of cemented in Brian Epstein's book, The Cellar Full of Noise. I think he he he, he sort of cemented that story. Um, but it, it, it appears... That it wasn't true, and I don't. I don't know whether they were actually presented with a, you know, a rock solid contract, but there was obviously some sort of agreement that mm-hmm. um, that that Decker would record the Beatles, and uh, the, you know, Lewis and showed this letter uh, from from Brian Epstein saying thank you for your offer, but no thanks. Right, and yeah, that's the level of research that a Lewis and he will he will look and see what is what's right. out there, it, and he'll uh, and he'll do he'll he'll go through every artifact to try to find and prove a point. Yeah, that's exactly it, and it, you kind of got the impression that he does. He goes, he seems to go out out of his way to try and either prove or disprove, um, right? You know, well known stories. You know, the the the, the accepted right. fact. I mean, right. I, because I what, what are we that, sorry, Tom, I, I was just going to say, I love the fact that even when you look at his he's explained how he'll he'll go back and look into, you know, uh, censuses and and per, when people bought houses and where people lived to, to mm-hmm. uh, just look in the amount of research and level of research right. he's done to prove a point. You know, he'll go back into he'll go back into tax records, everything to try to find yeah. anything linking right. an article of truth to it, which yeah. is just right. amazing. That was right. that was one of the stories that he told that because there was a story that that um, that Paul went down to London to meet his friend Ivan Vaughan and um, mm-hmm. I, I he, he they went out to a club and uh, they crashed at Ivan Ivan Vaughan's place which was a place in Great Portland Street and uh, he he tried to find out what the what the address was. And he he went back to the electoral records, found the address. Right. And when he found the address, he realised that the, the the exact same address was the address that uh, that Jane Asher's family lived in. Right. Previously, and right. they moved out to Wimpole Street, and that's where you know when Paul spent some time living with the Ashers. Right. That was in Wimpole Street, wasn't in that that actual place. But it was just a bit of a coincidence that. The Ashes had lived in this place that, that Paul McCartney <laughs> had stayed in in 1962. Right. That's the detail that he goes into, and that's why it takes him so long to write his books. Yeah. Yes, that's true. You know, it. You know, and then I'm sure he's not purposely trying to debunk these stories that we've known all these years. It's just that he wants to find the truth. And, yeah. you know, even with the, the, the first tune-in book, you know, discovering – that EMI had signed the Beatles and it wasn't him that actually signed them, yeah. you know, you know, was, was a, was a big deal as well, you know, and I won't and... get into the story about that. If you, if you haven't read the book and well, hopefully you have read tune in, but um, yeah, just the level of, of research, Andy, like you said, 
um, you know, to debunk Be some of these stories, you know, because that these, we've these known books, all these years. These books, and I understand, I know we're frustrated as fans. We want to read it. Right. We want to dissect it. But this will be the final word. When these books are out, I, I don't see any need to hold on to any of my other Beatle books. I really don't. I mean, maybe for nostalgia's sake on a couple of them. But, right. you know, but this will be the final word that hundreds of years from now, people will look back and say, that's the book you need to read. And I think yeah. that's why he's taking this approach. Yeah. And I, the, the, the takeaway that I had from the show is that Mark Lewison is a, a seeker of the truth. Yes. And, yeah. and, He'll go to whatever lengths he has to to try and discover the truth, because obviously he wasn't there at the time. But he, he, you know, he's 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 very interested. He's only interested in the truth. Right. And I guess as as fans, we're lucky that we've got him doing this research for us. I think. Yeah, yeah and Tom, yeah. Tom's over. Tom has surmised over the years when we've talked that that he thinks possibly he's just researching writing the next two at the same time. Maybe he's going. Yeah, did that time. I think he's. Yeah, I think he's just you know researching <laughs> both of them right now. So then that way, when when we you know when when book two is done, it won't be as long of as a wait for for book three. And and I'm thinking it's going to be at least four or five books myself. I mean, I just don't see how if you're gonna you know. I mean, look. I mean, look. I mean, book two. I mean, book one ended right at what at New Year's Eve at sixty two. Sixty two. I mean. That means that means book two has to go from sixty three to what sixty five at least, and then or sixty six, and then book three has to go to sixty seven to you yeah. know to where to where April. Mark's going to have to do a lot of more research, especially here in right. America, is is those is those the, the years when the Beatles were on tour here in America. So you wonder right their calendar, the touring schedule, all those all the tours, the history of the tours, and right. what went on with them. That's going to take a lot of that. That will really kind of have to mean that mark will have to spend his time in america maybe researching and, re and talking to people maybe. and anybody that might be still surviving to do that right. so you know and then again he still needs to finance himself which is why he does these tours so i, I understand right. yeah yeah i mean it took him 1500 pages to get to 1962 exactly yeah i don't see this being a three book series myself um no, he, i think he, that's what he had said he's, he wanted to keep it to three he did ridicule himself right at the top of the show where he, mm. he just came on stage before saying anything, sat down at a desk with a typewriter and just started typing B, E, A. <laughs> and, uh, and then he said, you know, you know what? He, he explained, I know that you're all waiting for, you know, the second mm. book and I have to do these sort of shows to help finance that because, you know, I'm not, right. I haven't got a day job sort of thing, you know. <laughs> right, right. Did you get to meet him afterwards? I didn't, but I did see on YouTube that uh, he he did more than one show. Um, and mm -hmm. at my, the show that I went to, which I think was the the first one in the series, he didn't do a and a but I saw on YouTube uh, mm. there wasn't uh, any any video from it, but it was just the audio <clears throat> that he'd obviously done a and a at the end of one of the right. one of the shows. Uh, so no, I didn't. I didn't get to meet him. Um, but he he was he was gonna um, be signing copies of his book, and you could have a word with him uh, if you bought a copy of the book. Um, but we didn't. Yeah. We just went home. I gotcha. Okay, cool. Well, glad you had the opportunity for that. I mean, again, if you have an opportunity to see anything Mark Lewison does, please. <laughs> 
go see it. I, I think we all can highly recommend you see him do any kind of presentation or any talk or lecture about the Beatles, that they're all fascinating and worth the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Amen. I, yeah. I heard that he was, try, he was trying to um, strike a deal with Netflix because to, to, the, the show was recorded. So he, right. he, he's trying to get a deal with Netflix to get it that on would be excellent. Netflix. And if it comes on, everyone should watch it because it's oh, know, two hours good. of great entertainment and, and information. Cool. Thank you, Tone, for that. Um, let's talk about your YouTube channel quick before we get to the topic here. Um, talk about starting it, why you started it, you know, um, your love for, for the Beatles, solo Beatles, all that stuff. Okay. Well, I started my channel... Uh, in August last year, and I was okay. kind of in, I was kind of inspired to start it by um, the the All Things Must Pass box had just come out, and mm-hmm. um, you know I was I was I was watching people's videos and I was thinking this is this looks really easy, <laughs> and I, I was fine, <laughs> I, was fine. I, I don't agree with that and I don't agree with that and I thought. I think I might quite like to do this. And and obviously when I started doing it, I found that it's not easy at all. <laughs> <And> it's really <laughs> quite difficult and it takes up quite a bit of time. But I'm really loving right. doing it. I'm getting some really great feedback from you know from the videos that I'm doing on on my channel. And you know, we I, I kind of thought first of all that I, it would be just the solo Beatles channel, uh, because mm-hmm. there just seems to be so many Beatles channels out there, but it's it's all it's impossible to to not to ignore the band when right. you know when talking about the Beatles, and it's so it, it's kind of expanded to to a bit of everything. Uh, I think so. You know, I do all the usual things, you know, like reviews and right. views, and I started doing some deep dives into the albums and uh, you know all the ranking stuff, and obviously new you know news when it comes out unboxings all the all the usual stuff i guess yeah no i mean it's it's it can be fun it can be time consuming uh you know a little nerve-wracking <laughs> you know? Yeah. uh it, it is because you know what we all want to accomplish the same thing we all want to have a good time we all want to be successful at it too and um you know and the fun part is, is you know trying to be the first one to report you know a news item or do an <laughs> unboxing or, or or review you know so uh, <laughs> i know I'm, I'm really quite nervous about my my uh, delivery from Amazon on Friday because <laughs> we've got we've got yeah. postal strikes here. That's right. Oh no! I'm, I'm getting a I'm getting a date of November the first at the moment, and I'm hoping that that's going to change during the week. Right. And if it doesn't, I've got to kind of make a decision whether to cancel that order, order get myself up to London on Friday, and get it, <laughs> and go and go into a record shop and buy it. So uh, right. Um, Yes, I'm a, a bit nervous. I'm hoping it's going to arrive on delivery day. But look, you know, e- you know, everyone wants to be the first to be unboxing, and you know, obviously, not everyone can be. And you know, people will watch it if they want to watch it, and if they don't, right. they don't. But I'm, I'm enjoying having the channel, meeting lots of people virtually, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But but you know, it's 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 great. I'm having a lot of fun, lot of fun with it. 
I kind of thought it would be something that I might like to do when I retire. And I was just sort of trying it. I mean, I haven't, I haven't retired yet, but I thought it might be something that I might like to do. And it, right. it is. So I'll be dedicated when I do retire, I'll dedicate more time to it. But yeah. um, do you, it's... do you, yeah, do you can just consider yourself a hardcore collector? I mean, what's your level of collecting uh, Beatles and solo Beatles stuff? Um, well, I, I like to have I like to have everything at least once. Um, <laughs> musically, I'm not I'm not um, I'm not really a collector of memorabilia like uh, like my friend Beetle Brad, who's got yeah amazing right. oh, amazing, yeah. amazing collection. I love watching his videos and and seeing mm. all the stuff that he's got. But he's he's more a collector of, of right. artifacts and memorabilia and um you know stuff like that and um i'm not really a collector of of you know st stuff like that but mu musically i am right. a, a collector of everything so i don't mm. i don't stick to just cds or right i like to have you both and... yeah you didn't get that i mean you got like one or two out there but you didn't get like the the seven eight nine different uh you know stores out here in the states you know releasing mccartney three <laughs> no. no it was impossible it was impossible to keep up i got I got yeah. my original. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I've got enough McCartney three. To be fair, <laughs> I've got the. I mean, when it came out, I got the CD and I got the the black vinyl. That was what I right. I ordered. Since then, I've got the um, I got the yellow and black one, not the not okay. the the really rare one that's going for about right. Three, like, I know what you mean. Grand. The splatter. Uh, yeah. yeah, the splat the splatter one. Uh, right. I got that one, and I and I I got the um, the Japanese. Uh, SHM mm -hmm. CD with the four extra tracks. So right. yes, yeah. Um, yeah. So I like I like to have everything that's gone out musically. I don't I don't go for um, you know I don't have to have you know every other artist that the, mm -hmm. you know that a Beatle was played on or anything like that. I I don't have to have all of those, but I like to have all the stuff that is actually in the name of the Beatles and 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 in the name of the four right. ex Beatles. <laughs> did um, I did, did you kind start... of draw the I draw the line at Children of the Beatles. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hear you there, buddy. I yeah. hear you there. Did you, you know Andy had mentioned you know you you're you're doing the videos on the archive uh stuff right now. Did you start collecting those in 2010 as they were coming out yeah. or did you you know come late to that? No, no, I started started right at the beginning. I'm so glad I did when you said yes. See the yes. prices of them now, but even then, you know, when the ban on the rum one came out, the first one, it was still about fifty quid, and that was at that time that was the most that I'd ever paid. Right, for one is, album. Right, you look at it then; it's all relative, right? Fifty quid yeah. for that. So when you look at it, it's like that's a lot then, but now, yeah. 10, 12 right. years later. Yeah, and then it's like three hundred quid. You know, well, I'm glad <laughs> I paid three hundred quid for the big farm box. But, right, you know, looking at the prices of it, uh, of it now, but that you know, that's a that's a lot of money, and it came right in that that period in 2018 where we had the white album in October. We, uh, it sorry, was we had, a crazy imagine, fourth imagine quarter in October. Yeah. Imagine box set, then the white album in November, and then the big right. box in December. And Egypt Station, Egypt Station in, in September. Yeah, that Station, was, uh, September. Yeah. That was yeah. That fourth quarter was crazy. That was that was a an expensive year, and people were saying people were saying, well, they're not going to be putting out 
sometime in New York City because they don't want to clash it with Revolver, but they didn't care about that in, in 2018. Uh, yeah, exactly. Four years ago. No, no, 18 was, yeah, they didn't care what was coming out. And 19 as well, They, did, I mean, there was still stuff, I mean, coming out, you know. So, yeah, this, this thing, whether or not it's going to interfere with the sales of a different product, no, I don't believe that one bit. <laughs> No, you know, anyways, but uh, but yeah, so that's what's uh, the channel's called Beatly Tone, uh, Beatly Tones Beatles channel, right? That's it, yeah. All right, we'll talk about more of that at the end of the show, we'll do some plugs and all that good stuff. But uh, but again, today we're going to be talking about you know, things McCartney uh, did right throughout his solo career. It can be the smallest, oh, yeah, five things, it could be the smallest of things of whether or not he just you know woke up one morning and and you know. Decided he wanted to go to uh, you know Africa to record an album, or uh, you know, or anything or, or, like that. Or he it's... watched or watched a video on tribal Indians and then wrote a That's really right. crappy song <laughs> after watching it. <laughs> that's right. I, actually, I got to post this on the Facebook because you know, as we're reading a certain book that's coming out in December, Andy, um, I did find the name of the the show. I found yes. the two parts yes. on YouTube. Yeah, you, you know, so I was watching that. Yeah, because and a certain, the certain book mentions the name of the program. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's it's fun. So maybe I'll post it on our YouTube channel. I mean, our, I'm in our Facebook channel, um, and you can watch it if you guys want to. But anyways, um, so this could be, you know, the smallest of things or the biggest of things. I mean, it, whatever. Whatever we feel that McCartney um, got right you know, in it, throughout his solo career. And if you got a list too, please, in the comment section, uh, tell us a few things that you think uh, McCartney got right um, in his career. And then we'll all take turns going first. But uh, Tone, since you're the guest here for number five, we're going to have you uh, go first this time around here, my friend. Is this, is this going to so, be my least important one then? Yeah, it, it could be. Yeah, oh, yeah. Whatever. If you want. Oh, I mean, you can rank one, it yeah. if you want. I, 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 mean, I hadn't actually ranked mine, but I, I, I right. can do that very, very quickly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to talk. Uh, my number five is um, Chaos and Creation in the Backyard. Oh. And mm -hmm. um, I think that when this, this, this came out, um, it was a difficult time for coming off the back of Driving Rain, which isn't right. as bad an album as a lot of people think. I, there's, there's moments on <laughs> in that album that I right. did. Um, but I think that he needed something different, and I think he got it. And the decision to use Nigel Godrich as the producer for this, I think this is the first time that he... he that he just handed over the production to someone else uh, and mm. not co-produced for a while. Um, but the fact that he, he used Godrich, who was, you know, he, you know, he produced Radiohead, which were arguably the biggest band in the world at that particular time. And, um, you know, he, he's chosen someone who isn't a yes man. And I think quite a lot, a lot of times that he's picked a man you know, he's, he's picked a partner uh, who will just go along with what he what he he wants and not right. say no. Actually, that's a really rubbish idea. <laughs> and I think God, I think Godrich did did that for for that album. And I I really think that was a turning point in in his career, a kind of a latter career peak. Um, because I don't think he's made a bad album since then. I think that mm. was that was a turning point uh, for him, and it's an album that I I really love. Um, 
it's it's very it's very moody. There's the, the, I mean, a lot of people complain that there's no upbeat songs on that. Although there is Fine Line, which is oh, Fine Line, bit, yeah, Fine Line's a little yeah. bit upbeat, I, I think. But it's it is quite a mellow album. It's the first first album that we really hear uh, the beginnings of Paul's old man's voice. I think. Yeah. Good observation. Um, it was a little bit of it on on driving, driving rain, rain, but by the time yeah. we get to chaos. It, it is we are starting to hear that deterioration and the fact that we've got that the fact that the, the songs on here are so strong i mean i don't think there's a bad song on this album and uh i think that he did he really he really did get that right and i think the key decision was giving the production to uh nigel Grady. Right. yeah which i think george martin recommended uh him yeah. to paul right yeah 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 it's, you know he's Sometimes it's good, I guess, to have a yes man, but every once in a while it was good to have somebody to just tell him, no, that song sucks. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, Pete, I think even Elvis, even Elvis Costello was a little bit of a fanboy, I think, because, you know, he was saying, go on, go on, please, please get your Hoffner bass right. out. Play that. <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, El I mean, Elvis Costello, you know, is a big name, uh, especially in the UK. And, um, but I still think he was a little bit of a of a fan, right. and Eric right. Stewart as well. I don't think mm. Eric Stewart would really have, you know, put up a fight, um, you know. And obviously, yeah. Benny Lane is his other collaborator uh, yeah. in his solo career. Yeah. To, to think, think that he didn't like, you know, like a like a song like "Riding the Vanity Fair" at first, and yeah, you know, I just, you know, which I think is his best uh, song in the last, uh, you know, twenty years or so. Uh, 22 years it, you know it is it's a great track but um you know but at least he fought for it and you know he got it on there but but yeah i mean it's a masterpiece of an album we all know that and um and yeah he needs that from time to time you know and you know i know we'll never get another nigel produced mccartney record but you know at least we have one you know yeah we have one. yeah but, but that was a good pick. I like that one. Um, I actually, you know, had that down too. But I'm not gonna <laughs> <do that. laughs> but uh, Andy, let's let's move to you. What, what's your first um, your pick? This is least again. I'm gonna do least to most important yeah. in my opinion. Okay. And I think number for me, number five is the is the constant touring cycle since 2002 mm. and going get and being out there again and starting it up right. again after the release of Driving Rain and doing the Back in the U.S. World Tour, starting it in 2002, you know, after Linda's passing, Driving Rain, getting the band together and being out there. I mean, we've got one Driving World Tour, Back in the World, the 04 Tour, the U.S. Tour, the Secret Tour of 07, Summer Live <laughs> in 2009, the Good Evening Europe Tour, the Up and Coming Tour, the On the Run Tour, the Out There Tour, the One-on-One -on -one Tour, the 2018 Secret Gigs, Freshen up and got back. I mean, with a couple of breaks here and there, he's been not you know, obviously COVID aside. He's been he has right. been out there and available for newer generations to see. And you know, with that gap in touring, you know, eighty nine, ninety, and then and then again in ninety three, ninety four, very small touring compared to these bigger, bigger touring. And I think to be able to find. In his 60s at that point, just, he had just turned 60 in, in 2002, to then go out again and be as prolific of a tour as he has been over the last 20 years is a pretty pretty incredible mm -hmm. and a pretty cool testament to be able to reach so many newer fans. Um, and yes, they're Beatles set, the Beatles, the set list are Beatle heavy, 
as we talked about in our live episode, our live show that we did. But um, just, you know, to be able to be out there for two, over the last 20 years and tour across the world um, to see millions of people that have never got a chance to see him in the 70s or the 80s is pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, even though they are, you know, Beatle heavy, and I think that's one of the things. He, I mean, he, you know, is mainly, I mean, Ringo doing it a little bit during his shows, but I mean, he's carrying that Beatles mantle uh, yeah. with him now, you know, and that's a, that's a big part of his show. And the main, I mean, it's probably the main reason why all these thousands of people are going because they know he's going to do, you know, half the set list or more than half the set list is going to be Beatles songs. I really do think that's the reason, and, and you know, <laughs> I, do, I I I know that we kind of want him to do these deep cuts, you know, us hardcore fans, you know, we want him mm. to do deep, but but you know, a lot of the people that are going to these shows are not hardcore fans; they just want to go and see a beat, or they don't necessarily know his solo catalogue no. well. Uh, mm-hmm. But they do know they do know Beatles songs because everybody knows Beatles songs, and they want the, you know they want the the chance to see a living legend, I guess, and mm-hmm. uh, and that's why these these gigs they sell out in minutes. It's incredible. Yeah, it is incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hopefully you guys get a chance to see him again too. You know, you guys yes. got the Glastonbury. I know he was supposed to do that European tour during the. Uh, you know, was it uh, 2020 he was supposed to do that, but unfortunately that got uh, canceled um, yeah. right off the bat. So hopefully you guys get another chance. You know. Yeah, I'd like one more crack at it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we'll see. Yeah, we'll what see. What do you got, Tom? But, What's yours? All right. My, my number one is, uh, again, starting from maybe least important to most important, I guess, um, helping other artists. You know, he, he's been so prolific with, throughout his solo career, even during the Beatles, uh, giving his time or songs or, or, you know, vocals, production to two other artists. And I really appreciate that about McCartney, uh, whether or not it's loaning his vocal talents or, or giving a song like Fourth of July to John Christie or, you know, Dave Edmonds calling him during one of his busier busier periods during, you know, he's filming and recording, you know, Broad Street and he says, hey, you got a song for the Everly Brothers and then, yeah, give me a few days later and then all of a sudden he's just got this classic classic of a song of On the Wings of a Nightingale, mm. um, you know, especially during his last 20 years, you know, working, um, you know, helping out Dave Grohl or, you know, doing a reunion with uh, Nirvana or, you know, giving out a song like uh, Songbird in a Cage, you know, out, uh, you know, just, just helping other artists and, um, you know, and, and, and getting his, I mean, I guess that maybe helps him in a way too, because that gets his name out to another fan base, you know, even working with, uh, you know, Kanye and Rihanna, I mean, that's also getting his, you know, name out there to another fan base, which he has done a lot. Yeah, he's know, always wanted you know, to, he's always wanted you know, to stay. Exactly. Hip. Yeah. But but the fact that he, you know, he doesn't have to do anything for anybody, right? No. <laughs> I mean, he's, no. he's Paul, Paul freaking McCartney. He doesn't have to do anything for anybody. But the fact that he continues to to help other artists, um, whether it's, you know, adding vocals to Brian Wilson's, you know, A Friend Like You or, you know, drumming on, you know, Sunday Rain for the Foo Fighters, uh, you know, just stuff like that. I just think it's really cool that he continues to do uh, to do that. Um you know, which he has done throughout since the sixties, really. Sure. You know, giving you know, what's what's the song that he gave to uh Peter and Gordon, uh World Without Love. Oh, you know, I think that was yeah. the yeah, yeah. I think that was like the first thing he's he did. Well, but and, and also, and still doing it. What's that? 
woman. They also yeah, woman, woman. Yeah, woman. woman as well. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah. So that's that's my number five. Good pick. Um, okay, Andy, we'll start. We'll go oh, four with okay. you. Four for me. Um, this is a little bit of a different one. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going into the Wings era. I like the fact that in the '70s he chose to record a lot of the albums on location and not location. Like, okay. I, I, you know. Ram in New York, Band on the Run in Nigeria, Venus and Mars in New Orleans, you know, going to Nashville. I think traveling proved a lot. Was it, it kind of gave him a spark to kind of for creativity and write differently. And I think that the, you see, you hear that on those albums. You know, Ram is a very polished professional album with, with good session musicians and stuff like that, you know. And being in another environment and the stuff that he's done at home, obviously, is just as good too. McCartney and the other albums that were recorded properly in london emi mm. like wildlife or red rose speedway we liked it but the albums that he actually went out and, and made on location i think really kind of gave those albums a really unique feel that retained their their awesomeness you know 50 years almost 50 years later to hear that stuff um yeah. it was a big deal to do and yeah maybe, maybe there were tax reasons for those for that which i'm sure there was but to again the 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 aspect of just whisking your whole family up and going and doing this in, a, in these exotic locations, especially with Band on the Run, I think was pretty bold to do, hmm. at, which I and I think, you know, he needs to be commended for that. Especially yeah. Band on the Run, because that's a really risky location to, to yeah. record an album, I think. As, as it <laughs> that's goes. just a risky as place it, to go in general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with a young and family. And he turns up and the studio's yeah. not finished and all the rest right. of it. <laughs> right. You know, so very, very primitive, very, very brave of him to take his young family. And, get, and now listen, did he have the means to do it? Of course he did. But I think it was pretty cool. He could have just stayed in, in the UK or... You know, in Campbelltown in Scotland, or and then just done everything. But he said, you know what? Let's just let's travel and just let's get out and try to see what's out there and what maybe the how does that change our sound? How does that evolve our sound as a band with Wings? And you hear that, you hear mm -hmm. that with Sally G, and you hear that in Junior's Farm and everything that they yeah. did in Nashville, the Country Hams, and all the, all those things. So I, I think yeah, that I the think ability cool. to come out and just yeah. go anywhere and record, I think, was a really kind of yeah. a nice defining aspect of Wings. Yeah. I mean, That's where's the castle that they recorded uh, part of Back to the Egg in? Was that uh, um, Kent, France? Kent, Kent. yeah, okay. Kent, yeah, okay. Kent. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I think that was pretty cool. Yeah, Lim Castle, yeah, Kent. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I like that one. Um, cool. all right, I'll go second here. Now, imagine a world where you buy a Beatles record and you turn it over and you see that logo. Oh, <laughs> Abco. <laughs> uh. um, my, I think, listen, say what you will about him suing the other three um, back in, I think it was the last day in 1970. And then, yep. you know, you can read about this in the docket book. You never give me your money. And I know, uh, you know, Cozen and Sinclair, they're getting into that on this McCartney legacy book as well. But you know, saving or suing, I'm sorry, suing the other three to get the Klein, to get him out of the picture yep. in the long run that helped preserve the Beatles legacy. And, yep. you know, again, I don't care what you think of McCartney. This was the right thing to do in order to help save uh, again, you know, the McCartney's legacy, or I mean, so the Beatles legacy, you know, it would have sucked if you, you know, you turn it over in an Apco, you know, Klein running the, 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 the Apple or the Beagles legacy just, yeah. you know, 
I, it just irks me the wrong way. Knowing what we know about him now, reading about reading that Klein book, you know, and what he did to Sam Cooke, you know, and, and just the others, you know, it's just, um, you know. Bravo choice, I'm, partner. But, Bravo choice. Yeah. That, that's also <laughs> in my list, but it's a little higher up. Right. <laughs> he, he was a gangster, which is probably why yeah. John liked him. <laughs> right. <laughs> But yeah, abso you never absolutely, know. absolutely, yeah. it was the right, the right decision, and you know, all, all three of them, you know, came round to the fact that it was the right yeah. decision, and they yeah. kind of reunited against against Klein, uh, uh, mm -hmm. you know, after that. I, I was just when I was just doing, I just did a deep dive on living in the material world. I was talking about the the sue you sue me blues yeah. song, right. and when he did that live, he. He changed it to uh, his. I've forgotten what the lyric was now. But bring your lawyer and I'll bring mine. And he changed right, it right. when he did the US tour. Bring your lawyer and I'll bring Klein. <laughs> when, <laughs> when he did the, the seventy four US tour. Um, nice. So yeah, ab yeah, absolutely. That was the right. It was the right decision. Horrible for him at the time. Yeah. Yes. Uh, right. Because you know you, the last thing you want to be doing is suing your three best mates. Um, right, but he he did it for the greater good, and, and history will show. History, history will, will show that. Right, right. right. And the right. fact that even Lennon in his lifetime real admitted that will also yeah. go a long way because you can see watch that clip of John saying, "Well, Paul was let's just to say if Paul was right in this." And um, right, you know, <laughs> which I'm which, sure was not an easy thing for him to do. No, no, you know, absolutely no. not. You know, and we read right. about all this, and you'll read about all this stuff now, but all that. Everything that ties yeah. that, that that famous September 9th meeting that we keep reading yes. about. No boy, <laughs> it's like. And now, to, to, three or four years later, ah, you were right. You know, you put me through hell and back, but you know, yeah. that's what Paul should be saying. You know, you you dragged me over the coals here, but I, you know, it was yeah. the right decision. I mean, he, I think, yeah, if I remember correctly, I mean, he had to dish own money out of his own pocket too to. Because the other three then sued Klein, and I think he ended up having to dish out five million dollars of his own money to give to Klein because you know Klein sued them as well. Um, you know, and, and he never signed the contract for them to be for for him to be his manager. You know, so mm -hmm. you know he you know he he took it as well. Yeah, you know, he did. Yeah. Can't go wrong with that one. So, Tom, what's your fourth yeah. one? Yeah. Uh, right, I'm going Glastonbury. Oh, ah, very the new one. The new one, the new one. Because yeah. I, I, I wanted to talk about this one because um, <clears throat> I'm not, I don't think that anyone outside of the UK has seen this gig in its entirety. So I wanted to talk about that because uh, I think that the BBC. I'm right on. I think the BBC restricted views from overseas. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, which yeah. is which is a real shame, and. Um, I just wanted to sort of explain how Glastonbury works for those that that, that don't know. Um, so Glastonbury is the biggest UK festival when it happens every year in June. And people that apply for tickets, they apply the year before and they don't oh, know wow. who's going to be on the bill. OK, they wow. just apply for tickets because they want to go to Glastonbury for the weekend. So consequently, when you have Paul McCartney playing at uh, Glastonbury. He's not playing in front of his own fans, right? He's playing in front of rock fans generally. And, um, you know, 
I know you, you both of you guys, you, you managed to see it, uh, one of the shows on the, the Got Back Tour. Yeah. And I was kind of, you know, I was following it on YouTube. I was watching people's phone clips. And phone clips aren't the best, you know, thing to, to judge by because, you know, they're, well, because they're filmed on phones for a start. And they're right. <laughs> usually filmed about three miles from the stage. But, right. what I, you know, what I'd seen, especially early on in the tour, um, you know, his voice was not in good shape. And, um, you know, and, you know, he start, he started every show with, with Can't Buy Me Love and Can't Buy Me Love is such a difficult song to start with because the Mm -hmm. vocals come in on beat one. And so you don't have, you know, you don't, it doesn't sort of go around the calls before. So so he can pitch himself before he he comes in with the vocals. It's bang, right. You know, uh, you know, beat one is in with the vocals and what I'd seen of of these these clips none of the the can't buy me love versions that i saw mm. were, were all that good and i was kind of really worried about him going playing glastonbury because Glast- glastonbury is shown live on the bbc so everyone sees it and although sort of you know fans are far more forgiving the general right. public are not and i just yeah. thought that twitter would go in a meltdown and you know he was just going to get a load of stick coming off of the the got back tour which admit admittedly by the time he got to jersey i think that he was in pretty good form by then it, it, it had improved right. as it as he'd gone gone through but when he ca- he came out and he he started off with can't buy me love and he was just bang on the money and the crowd were like behind him right from the word go and he went into junior's farm at the end of junior's farm the crowd just like spontaneously just bursts into happy birthday. You've got like mm. 200,000 people singing him happy birthday. And, you know, that must have been the most amazing boost mm. for him. You know, he's, remember, he's not playing in front of his own fans. He's playing it in front of, right. you know, fans of, you know, general rock fans. And he just went from strength to strength to strength in that gig. Right. It was just absolutely brilliant and um he just he, he really did you know he pulled out all the stops when it, I, th- I thought that it was going to be a bit disastrous but it was it was really great I mean when he went off at the end of the set you know obviously Hey Jude was the last song as it usually is and all throughout the time that he was off the stage the waiting for him to come back for the encore instead of just chatting out more 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 but like, like they have at every other gig I've ever been to by anyone they were all they was the crowd were just na 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 the whole way through, until they came back on the stage. It was just amazing, amazing, and I just thought it was brilliant. And he just really came through in a time of adversity. And right. know, Twitter was did go into meltdown, but <clears> they were just absolutely loved. They were saying it was the best Glastonbury set ever by anyone. And just absolutely fantastic reviews. And the only, and ironically, the only thing that people uh, complained about was he didn't do enough Beatles songs. Wow, <laughs> it's it's true. It I remember the, that. Yeah, because you know, people don't people don't know Junior's Farm, and they don't know Letting right. Go, and they don't know Come On to Me, and you know, and and so you know they you know they they they. they Obviously, you know, people sitting at home watching it on TV, you know, they're and on Twitter. this wasn't a full set why either, he, right? Why is yeah. he playing the Beatles songs? So, right. um, I mean, he didn't do his normal normal full set, or did he? He did I pretty mean, much <clears throat> set as he'd done, got back. Um, I don't think he, 
he didn't do Jet, which I think he did on some dates. On yes, Scott yeah, Patrick. later on, and yeah. He did. Uh, um, I saw a stand in there, which I don't think okay. he did on on Got right. Back. Apart from that, it was pretty much the same set. I think. I think mm. he changed a couple of things, didn't he, during the Got Back tour? He did. He started yeah, off doing a couple women things. wives, and he dropped wives, back, and then yes. switched it. You, you bring up a really good point there. There's a there's a there seems to be like a a high watermark with that Glastonbury show. That I'm telling you, I his family was there and stuff. I, I would not be surprised if that was his final gig in the UK because it was so well received. Well, yeah. you know, if you want to go out with a bang, that is a, a from a selfish point of view. I, I I'd like to see him do one more tour. But yeah. if he goes out there, then full credit to him. He has gone out on it's... an absolute high um absolute high and it was it was just brilliant i mean you know the, the bbc they you know they've got cameras in the crowd and mm -hmm. you can just see the joy on people's faces they're young people you know they're much younger than than me uh which is it, the you know the age of his normal his normal crowd but young people absolutely digging him and it was Brilliant. And he's and he's back on home, and, he, and he's back on something about him playing back on home turf being 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 right. back in the UK. There's something you know, there's something to be so, said yeah. about that as well. Right, too. right, yeah. No, it's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. All right, does that uh, that conclude number four? That's number four in the books now. So yeah. All right. We'll okay, I'm gonna go. Three. I'll start off with yeah. I'll start off with number three, and uh, mine is um, the archives. Uh, the archive series. Um, I think this was absolutely a great decision to um, put his albums. I think his albums deserve box sets. Uh, you know, not every not every artist's career uh, could say that they're you know each album deserves a box set. Whether or not we're just going to get like the first fifteen, sixteen, seventeen albums of his. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but you know, and we have complained a little bit. I mean, some of the audio on, you know, the, the bonus content has yeah. not been, you know, mm. great, but you know, I mean, and pipes of peace were one of those, were one of those, um, box sets, but what we got, we got, you know, it's not on, which nobody yeah. has never heard a single there thing. A, there was not a, there was not yeah. a written, there was not a written entry right. about it's not on in any right. book before that came out. Right. Exactly. Um, but I, th I think every album that he's ever made deserves a box set. And the fact that we're finally starting to, you know, in 2010, we started to get them with, with band on the run and then whether or not we're, we're in a break mode right now, which is fine. Uh, just as long as it continues, I don't care what it continues with. Um, but these box sets and, and what they, what they've, brought to the table, um, you know, audio wise, video wise, you know, um, uh, the books in there, just everything has been, has been great. Uh, you know, again, say what you want about what you have to pay for them now, but, uh, there's, I think they're, they're worth it. Um, they're just great. And you know, I, you, they're not collecting dust either. I listen to them often and, yep. uh, you know, and they're, they're important either way. I mean, as, as little as, uh, you know, a box that is in, in, you know, in the career span of 52 years, I still think it's important that he keeps making his, music available to up and you know to new generations of fans so that's yeah. that's going to be my number three and it's a good point because i i think these box sets i mean really once he eventually passes these are the final word these, these this is the final word on all yeah. this stuff i mean unless the estate feels they want to issue re, you know to reissues or repackage them or whatever which may, may could happen 
all these box sets, Paul and Beatles and John, these are, this is the final word on these things. You know, mm-hmm. these guys are now approaching that age now where this, so these, these archive sets are the legacy. And so it's good to look right. back the photographs, the essays to contextualize the period that they have, which they came from. That's what right. they, that's what these box sets do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I think they're great. Uh, they are great. I would, I, I, I don't think we'll get one for every every album. I think Flaming Pie is probably the cut off yeah, point. Yeah, uh, I can see that. Yeah. Because I think it's a it's a joint joint venture be, between you know the music and and Linda's photos. Right. I think. So right. Yeah. You know, Linda. And it's that's uh, a fine that's a fine spot to cut it off. I'm yeah, fine with I leaving it. So. That, it doesn't need to go back. Although a chaos box, a chaos archive would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think Flaming yeah. Pie is a natural breaking point because that was Linda's final appearance on an album. And everything we can look back, you know, the last 23 years plus five years now, it's fine to look at it, you know? Yep, good I agree. Tones up? Okay. Yeah, Tone, you're number three. Uh, what am I going to go for? We're number three. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I'm almost embarrassed to, to say this as my number three. But I'm going for, I'm going for this. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Mull of Kintyre. Uh, <laughs> this um, is good because yeah. I was hoping that we'd get something crazy like this. I, okay. I like this. Go ahead, go ahead. So I, I, I understand that that you know that Mal of Kintyre wasn't a big hit in the states. You, mm-hmm. I think Girls' School was played more in more, America, right. uh, but in but here, even though uh, it, here it was it was just Mal of Kintyre. No, yeah. Girls' School never got a look in. Never got a look in, and <laughs> so. What we what we have to do is we have to put it into context as to why he got it right because on the face of it, you know, I'm I'm 16 when this comes out, and I've I've discovered the Beatles about a year before, but now I'm just starting to, you know, I'm obviously I'm I'm on, I'm on my Beatles journey, but I'm also just starting to get into punk because that's coming out in that's that's mm. in. The, in the UK, that's that was starting to emerge into the music scene, and Paul McCartney, at the height of punk, brings out a Scottish waltz with bagpipes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and piss, I'm thinking, piss off! Oh I'm my God, this out. what is he doing? What is he? What is he doing? I mean, I you know, I was a compromised teenager. I'm going in a record shop and I'm buying this. Ah, that's what week. you're really listening to. <laughs> and then the next week, I'm buying that. And, <laughs> and it was all a little bit weird. And um, but for some reason, this this record it struck a chord with the British public. I think it's at the time of year it came out. It's a little bit. It's a little bit Christmassy. Right. When, when did one, it, what what month did it come out? Uh, I think Tone? it came out in late November. So Christmas. Mm. So it yeah, has that yeah, Christmassy November, feel to it. November, it, had, it was the Christmas number one that year too. Yeah. And. In, uh, you know, the British public, they bought it in their droves. It was number one <laughs> for 11 weeks. So it went, it was the Christmas number one, and right. it was number yeah. one for a couple of weeks in January after that as well. Right. And um, uh, it's still, it is still the biggest selling non-charity yeah. single Charity. in the UK. Right. In the yeah. UK. Uh, is that crazy? It is, it, that is crazy. It sold over 2 million. It sold more than She Loves You. <laughs> Right. In the UK. Um, they did the top of the pops for that too, right? For they that did, single, did yeah, they, they the did top, yeah. top of the pops and they did 
the Mike Yarwood show. And Mike Yarwood was, was an impersonator. Right. He always had a Christmas special. Uh, and it was mm. probably... Yeah, there's a know, couple different of versions top... of that, right? There's a couple different versions yeah, of that. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a few few different videos. of, uh, But of, not of anything of the full version with the edit. The Mike Yarwood is an edited... It's an, it's an edited version. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, there's a, I think one of the verses is out. And I think it's, 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 a, it's not yeah. a full version on the Mike Yarwood right. show. Or yeah. the promotional. There's a, you know... Because you've got the promotional film that opens up with him strolling in the grass, right? And then there's, yeah. and then there's the one that is kind of more um, smokier and stuff like that. You know what right. I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. But you know, at the time, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I don't want this to be <laughs> Wings' new single. I want the other side. I want the other side. You the want girls? Yeah, right. Right. That's much more my thing. But when you get older. You can't, uh, you taste mellow a bit, and you're not this sort of, you know, pop snob that you are when you're a right. teenager. Right, and now right. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, mm, bagpipes, not bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've, come, I've sort of come full circle, but you know, again, this is this is one of the things that I think that he got right when everyone thought that he got it wrong. Um, mm -hmm. And that's that's my number three. Well, and again, yeah, still the the number one non charity, yeah, non, yeah. non charity yeah. single, best selling original still. song, non charity. Yeah. Because right. Bohemian Rhapsody, um, that has actually sold more copies, and um, that wasn't obviously originally it wasn't a charity record, but when they re released it in 1991, mm. when Freddie Mercury died, the proceeds right. of that went to the uh the AIDS Foundation. Oh, okay. So it then okay. became a charity it then charity became, single. It right. became a charity single. So the single. biggest selling oh, yeah. non-charity single right. in the UK is still Mullet and, so, and we're talking slash girls yeah, school. Yeah, girls school. So that would be that without excluding do they know it's Christmas? Yeah. Elton, Candle in the wind, Elton yes. John. Which he's a part of he, he's a part of do you know I mean he's on the B side of that one too. So he of, is, yeah. You know, he is yeah. yeah. Well he just phoned in of the twelve inch. Right. Of the twelve yeah. inch. He just phoned 12 in inch. he phoned yeah. he phoned in his appearance on that one. Right. So if you want to count that one, <laughs> yeah. you can. Yeah, but good pick, uh, Tone. Good pick. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, All right, Andy. Number three for me, Tone mentioned this when we started ranking this a little bit. I'm surprised he mentioned this, but I think it's a really strong point um, when we was talking about Nigel Godrich, but was, I think, number three, the fact when he reached out or his management reached out and got right. Elvis Costello back into the fold to, to team up with him. I think that was a really important time for him coming off mm -hmm. of the critical, um, you know, backlash of Broad Street and the commercial failure of Press to Play. I know it did ch charted better in the UK um, than it did in the US. I think it got to number 30 here. So the Eric Stewart stuff, you know, it was a really kind of obviously coming out of that period, Broad Street and all that other stuff. I think to find his management at the time, which I believe was the guy by the name of Richard Ogden, reached out to him and put the two of them together. And I think really Elvis Costello was a little bit of a fanboy to your point, Tone. Oh, yeah. I think he definitely was, but he could look at him as somebody that could kind of give him a little bit of a muse and look back yeah. and, you know, and kind of say, okay, well, how, how do I actually, how do I, how do we write songs again? And look, hearkening back to his you know relationship with John Lennon and obviously, and, and getting the, getting the Beatle bass back out again. And I think that was really the start of Paul accepting the terms of his Beatle past. So not to mention the great music they wrote together. 
So mm. I think I think you can really credit Elvis Costello a for the at the songs they co-wrote together that that appeared mm -hmm. on Flowers in the Dirt and later off the ground, but also Paul was like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, after that, Paul, you know, put, does the album Flowers in the Dirt and then puts together a very pro Beatle heavy set list for the first time. So mm. I think and to, and we talked as we talked about this on our live show, it was the first time we're hearing the Beatles songs live, so they're not so right. tired yet. So. <laughs> I think I think you can owe a debt of gratitude to Elvis Costello for really being the spark that Paul needed there around 87-ish or so when they first teamed up and they he helped him out with Back on My Feet, which was the first thing they kind of co-wrote, which was right. you know. And I think the I think that's a, a great kind of a, a, a partnership that has largely I mean the Flowers in the Dirt archive set brought it back out to light, which was great. Mm. But that's a that's a partnership that as time goes on. Not that many people really talk about, and, and no, and it and they should. Yeah, and the fact that a lot of those songs are really good, you know. Mm -hmm. And plus, when we got that box set, you know, two of the songs they never even used, whether it was on Paul's or Elvis's <laughs> records. Yeah. And in my opinion, I think you know, Twenty Five Fingers and uh, Tommy's Coming Home are two of the better songs that they, that they did that they wrote that they did together. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I really like that, Andy, because yeah, a lot, a lot of those songs. I mean, "Playboy to a Man" I think is great. You know, "Veronica," uh, you know, is is really good. Uh, my, you know, obviously, "My Brave Face" candy. too. Yeah, what's that? I think I don't like candy. So like candy, yeah. 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 And I think he viewed he viewed Elvis. You know, he had worked with Eric Stewart. You know, kind right. of a little bit, but Eric Stewart wasn't on the same level. I think he viewed Elvis Costello a little bit higher than you know. And well, then, he's from uh, Liverpool Eric's too, right? Yeah, Elvis Costello's from Liverpool as well. Right? Yeah, yeah. He so, go ahead. I mean, I'm yeah. a big, big 10 CC fan. Oh, I was a big 10 CC fan, <laughs> but I think by the time, but I think by the time Paul got to Eric Stewart, I think Eric Stewart had kind of gone past his sell by day. I think, I think, mm. but but Elvis Costello was still relevant, and I think he he gave him a bit of grit. Yeah, in, in yeah. his songs, yes. I think. I think right. he, you know, he did talk quite a lot about that sort of backward and forward thing with, you know, on um, she wants she wants him to or what she yeah you want her to yeah you want her to the call and response yeah the call and response yeah and all that that sort of thing I think gave him that that a little bit of grit and I I just think my brave face is just everything yeah everything right? that a pop song should be is in that song. <laughs> It's brilliant. A thousand, a thousand percent. Everything about yeah. it, the nostalgia, Agreed. the the melody. It's it's could be a Beatles song. It really yeah. could. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, that was my number three. Having Elvis Costello come back into the. Mix. All right. So we'll be on number two now. Yep. Okay. Um, Tone, why don't you go ahead and start with your number two? Okay, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with uh, the '89 '90 tour. The first time okay. that he brought back. Beatles songs wholesale and I know that we're a little bit fed up with them now uh, because he's been doing it for so long but back then it Right, was, and that's a it good was, point, you got to think about it back then. Again, going back into context, this was fantastic that he was doing all these songs not only songs that we hadn't heard him do live before but songs that the Beatles hadn't even done live uh, which was fantastic. Now, one of the big highlights is the is the Sergeant Pepper, you know, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, then going into that long sort of solo bit and then coming back with the reprise. Absolutely 
fantastic. But this was, you know, the first time that he'd really, you know, gone back to his Beatles catalogue and thought, oh, I could do this one live. Things we said today, absolutely brilliant. You know, Eleanor Rigby we got for the first time. You know, there was a couple that we've had had before, like Fall on the Hill we'd done on the UK tour. Mm-hmm. I've got to Get You Into My Life we'd done on the UK tour and Let It Be as well. But a lot of them were new to us. I saw us standing there, uh, just just brilliant and sort of, you know, formed the basis of the, uh, the Trip in the Life fantastic album, which, right. you know, I... Yeah, I played a lot when it when it first came out because firstly it had the live versions of the Flowers in the Dirt songs, which I love. I love that album. Uh, but the fact that it had all these Beatles songs that I'd never heard him do live, I did go to one day on that on that tour at oh, uh, Wembley Wembley Arena. Yeah, mm. I think it's the one that they because in the in the book they they it they tells tell you, you which, the... which show. Right, I think right. It was the one where they recorded Jet. I think it was Jan. Mm. It was January, uh, one of the January dates in 1990. So uh, yeah, so that's my that's my number two. I thought that was that was an important thing, even though it's all it's become a little bit tired now for hardcore fans that are going tour after tour after tour. It's still really right. important. It's still really important for anyone who's seen Paul for the first time that he you know that they're seeing him do these songs because if you are seeing him do you know if you're if you are seeing him live for the first time and he doesn't do hey jude or let it be you're gonna want your money back aren't you right there you are you were right there tone it was wembley on the uh, 17th of january yeah that was the one yeah that was it that was the one i was at there you go excellent very cool on the same record <laughs> Very good. Yeah, you know, and you made the good point where you you gotta, you know, the timelines, everything. You gotta think about it at that point in time. You yeah. know, now we're what, you know, you know, thirty years, thirty, forty years later. You know, we we look at it differently now. But at oh, that point in time, that was and the fact huge, that yeah, yeah, and the fact that it was ten years since he'd been live. Uh, you know, yeah. as well, you know was you know I mean was he going to tour again I mean he talked about on 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 in, in interviews like you know during I think press to play you know interviewers were talking about you know him going live again and wanting to go live but then he would you know his comment was well I want to make sure I go out on a on, you a, know, good on a really strong on a good album yeah mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. Tone I can't imagine what it must have been like to have been there at that show and you mm-hmm. you're waiting to hear Hey Jude for the first time live. I mean that must have been incredibly which we take for granted now, of course, 35 mm-hmm. years later, as Tom mentioned, but to hear to be there and to, to actually hear that live for the first time. Incredible. Was- Incredible. Yeah. You know, it was it was it was absolutely amazing. And you I'd 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 seen him on the, the the first time I ever saw Paul was on the the '79 UK tour, and I went. To oh, you did get to shows. see that. Okay. I went to three shows on that tour. <clears throat> the the, um, the concert for Bangladesh, and although I was absolutely, you know, I was uh, I was 18 then, and absolutely in awe of being in a room and breathing the same air. <laughs> <laughs> having having you know heard. Uh, wings over America uh, you know I was a little bit disappointed with the set because Wings Over America is such a strong you wanted to hear more Venus and Mars stuff I did I did well because I think it's a better album than Back to the Egg for a start but but I but I did want to I wanted to hear these you know most 
these songs live. So I was a little bit disappointed. But but in the end, you know, looking back on it now, we've got a unique show because a Very lot of the unique. songs that he did in that on that tour, he's never done since. Since. Right. You saw yeah. three dates on the UK 79? I did, yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. What, yeah. No. Which this, gigs? These were in the dates where you actually went to the venue and queued up outside in the middle of the night waiting yeah. for them to open the box office. Which shows did you go to? Oh, oh, I went to three at Wembley Arena. It was a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday, and um, and then I went to the the concert at Campuchia, which was on the 29th of December that year mm. at Hammersmith Odeon. Which so you actually were at the last time Wings played live. I was, yeah, I was there. Wow. Yeah. And there was this big, there was at that gig, there was this this big rumor that. Guess yes. who was going to get back together? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you, you know, know what? Now, we we kind of around, floating around. Yeah. John John's in the country, yeah. and George is here, and Paul's. Oh, well, you know, we knew that. We knew that wasn't true. <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Good pick. I like that. Um, okay, I'll go next for number two, and um, deciding on which one is more important i guess i'm just gonna go with formation forming wings um myself for number two um you know he could have easily very very easily gone solo just himself uh you know and bring up brought in uh studio uh, or you know musicians and, and and you know just did that but the fact that he also included you know his wife linda which we all know you know yes not the most brilliant singer but what she brought to the table vocally in those backing vocals you know on ram and then later and on with the, denny and not just <clears throat> emotional support too right and there. emotional support yeah and you know help build his confidence again and all that stuff um but the fact that you know then, then add, add denny uh to those backing vocals as well and just creating this this new sound um and uh you know having almost as a successful decade as is the, the prior uh decade um, I think it was, uh, you know, really, I think it had to have boosted his confidence. I, I knew he had some more confidence issues throughout the seventies as well, but the fact that, you know, he had good musicians, which, you know, besides what Linda wants to say and on certain interviews, you know, mm. you know, um, you know, yeah. um, yeah, you know, Sywell, uh, you know, Juber, you know, Jimmy, you know, uh, in, musicians that you know really played their asses off and you know and these these songs that we all love and admire uh you know it just wasn't paul right you know it's it's all these other musicians denny's contribution um with especially during london town uh era oh yeah you know so the fact that he's bringing in other musicians so he doesn't have to do everything and um, I just love the fact that he, you know, he did a band, you know, I, he, what do you do when you're in the Beatles? You know, you, you probably mm. would just, <clears throat> you know, just do it yourself. Right. Um, but the fact that he, you know, brought in, you know, and started another band, I think that was very, very important for his continued success, his continued confidence and uh, his legacy. I mean, look at now. I mean, what do we, what else do we know you know, he's doing wing songs, you know, the after the Beatles, the next amount of songs he's doing after that is wing stuff, right? You know, he's not very rarely doing anything solo from, you know, 80 on, unless it's, you know, coming up or here today, right? I mean, he's not doing very many, unless he's promoting a new album too, you know, he's not doing actual solo songs. It's it's Beatles and wings for the most part, right? 
so yeah. I'm, yeah. It's very, I mean, a very brave decision as well, right? To, to write on the back of the Beatles to you know to form this new band that are obviously going to be compared to the Beatles. He's got his yes. nieces in the band who's not proper musician, and he's right. going, he's going out and he's playing in uh, turning up at universities and playing right. for you know fifty p to get in. And coming right. home with a bag, you know, a bag of cash, right? Um, I'm very brave to do that at that time, and I, you know, and you know, every everybody that's been in Wings has had had has, has given some value, but I think mm-hmm. with Linda's Linda's contribution is much bigger than I think that that everyone thinks, and right, Definitely. I know it was it was dodgy at the beginning, you know, when she right. was you know, just, just learning, but you listen to the stuff that she's doing on, you know, and Venus and Mars and, yeah. you know, speed of sound, listen to what she does on silly love songs. Her harmony is right. absolutely fantastic and ba- absolutely right. instrumental to that wing sound. Like you say, you know, her, her, the combination of her and Denny oh. singing together. Harmonies. Is on that, the, yeah. is that wing sound? And uh, mm. very, very underestimated. I think. I think she grew into that role. Yeah. yeah. And it's it just it's to be said too that he wanted. He was really hell bent. Even at the end of the Beatles, he wanted to start from the ground up. He wanted to go back into the clubs and build it up again. And and by that point, the Beatles didn't want to do it. So he's like, okay, fine. I'll just do it myself. And he was like, well, I've never actually started the band before. So how, you know, we got to just start it, right. literally started it from scratch. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, you know, everything from bookings to how to, how to get around and how to do, you know, he had to just figure it all out. Cause he's like, well, the Beatles were already established when I joined. So, right. you know, yeah, there was no guarantee that Denny Lane was going to work out. Right. I mean, there was no guarantee that Linda was going to stick through with it for, for the long haul. Uh, right. I mean, the fact that uh, that uh, that first lineup lasted as long as it long as it did is still kind of mind boggling. Yeah. Uh, and I a, think the, the, that 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 big born box illustrates that that early right. period of wings really kind of that gets glossed over in, in light of the, the big era of wings right. of 75, 76. You know, mm. that first lineup was pretty damn good, too. And then I think that absolutely. And, and the, absolutely. that box shows, it, especially with the live over Europe. Uh, out yeah. live album in yeah. you know yeah. really shows the Sywell and Henry and, and the band really just cooking you know it wasn't they yeah. you know did, obviously it didn't last but you know they were they were pretty good hot men too there from the early seventies in Europe yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's incredible because you, you, you when you think about Henry McCulloch's sort of rock background <laughs> and he's he's in this band and he's being told to right. play Mary had a little laugh. Right, we had a little and 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 make five videos for us. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but see, yeah. that's what you would expect. But if you, if but if you know McCartney, you should, you know, expect that though. In yeah, a way, exactly. I mean, if you followed his Beatles career, right, mm. you should expect all this wide range of of genres of music. You know, yeah. so yeah, right. He, t- he tinkers with every every genre, and we're all the better for it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's why we get a white album with so many diverse genres on it. Mm -hmm. All right, Andy, number Number two. two. This one's a little bit different. Uh, Hopefully, I don't think anybody else may not have it, but if they do, great. My number two is going to be the legacy of his music videos that he has made and the promotional films, uh, especially Mm. in the 80s. 
some in the seventies, you know, early, early ones, but I think as time, and he's, he's quoted as saying this because uh, he gave, he, he gave some advice to Michael Jackson, make, make, right. you know, make promotional videos. videos. They'll help right. your career. And I think as time passes, and eventually, that should have been the only advice he gave him. That's right. <laughs> yeah. He shouldn't have told him to get into publishing. Right. Just make music videos. But I think this has been a gloss, another glossed over aspect of Paul's career. We got the mm. we got the McCartney years DVD release right. in 05, and that was it. And he's been there's been loads more since. I think as time goes on, especially now we are in such a technological age of video, everything. It's going to be a good way if his if his archives once he's gone are curated well these videos that you can watch the promotional films for are really going to be in this in a visual age for kids now to go look 20 30 years from now you know the man's got you know probably a hundred promotional films and then music videos that he's created and i think you know they've they've been or they've been you know he's gotten you know some of them are really some of them are better than others you know but uh i think you know like obviously the ones from the early 70s but you know, the, the fact that they're going to last and linger, um, you know, obviously in the, in the video age of the MTV and the dawn of that, they become they became much more polished productions. Right. You look at Take It Away and Say, 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 and, and the No More Lonely Nights ones, which are a little bit more of a prop, proper music video. But you've got the stuff right. like Back to the Egg, seven or eight, seven, you know, there's a video special for that. So I, I think yep. that the, the videos that will last the test of time will go a long way in, in preserving his legacy. Uh, in, in, in a visual medium, not just for music, in a visual, but, to, right. but, but to watch them visually and see what, what, what went into making them and how they and we've got them right. on the box sets. But I think that the fact that you can just go look them up on YouTube will help, will help that legacy. Right. And it's interesting to, to, to think, you know, if he didn't do these videos with the, with the songs have had, because sometimes videos do do uh, help the success of a of a of a single, right? Sure. Um, you know, would say I, I still think say 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 probably would have gone to number one uh, without a video. However, would have taken away have done gone to number ten here in the states if it wasn't for a video. Right. I, you know, you never well, think know. About, think but... about the music video for Pretty Little Head, which opens up with right. the end of She's Leaving Home. She left the home, right? Right, yeah, and then yeah, the girl right. running through the streets, and you see Paul's head on yes. a building. It's things like right. that. It's so creatively and right. well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Number one time. Okay, so. Was that uh number oh it's two. number one? We're all yep. number ones? Okay. All right, I guess I'll go first on this one. Um hopefully no one else has this, but um uh again this will be really discussed much in the uh in the McCartney Legacy book. It'll be told a lot better than what I can say, but I'm gonna go with uh April ten of nineteen seventy. Oh. Uh Paul, you know, or 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 at least the headline, you know, Paul quits the Beatles. He leaves officially leaves the Beatles. Uh, the 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 release of of the, the McCartney album. Now there's going to be a few people out there that'll say, you know, no, it was John's right to end the Beatles. Okay, well John had what seven eight months to do this. Okay, and how long? But go ahead. But go ahead. He Andy. did, but he was advised to yeah. keep it under wraps. Well, and yeah. he did. And that's he why did he did for seven, eight months. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but but John had all of this time. Look, we they, they wanted to get all of these deals done with EMI and Capital. Those were those the got done the northern, quickly. The, no, the northern yeah, the north deal. Right, was the deal. right, 
Right. They and those got done quickly after after that meeting of John, you know, you know, announcing his departure and, and Alan Klein saying, Well, let's keep it quiet for a while. Okay, still you got seven, eight months now of keeping it quiet. How long should how long should he have waited? I don't think he had any obligation to wait. I think you know he was just as much as a, a, a six, you know as important to the Beatles' success as John was, and I think him leaving you know and starting his so, solo career, you know I think it was the right thing to do. Again, why should he wait? Why should uh, you know even George or Ringo? Why should they wait for John to? Who knows when he would announce it? You know who knows if he would ever announced it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. So for me, I mean, the most important thing he probably did in his solo career was, was you know, say he's done, you know, and and got out of there, you know. So interesting, and, and yeah. you know, but again, you know, he, John was just pissed because he he, he realized he missed the boat right. for the PR opportunity. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think you can right. understand was, that though, can't you? You can understand. Yeah, he's but you know he's told the other three that's what's that's what's happening. And then mm-hmm. he's been told to shut up about it. And then Paul right. comes out and says that you can understand why John would be pissed off about that. Um, right. Well, yeah. Uh, but but then if I'm the other three. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's yes, absolutely. I do. It's absolutely. There's thunder. There's lightning. There's rain. I, I wasn't sure whether you could hear it, but I don't know. It's pretty <laughs> loud here. We struck a chord there with this with this topic. Yeah. Um, with this, with this... <laughs> I think too. A part of it too is Paul that's John had, saying no, no, no. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. I think. I think too. After after the six or eight months that you mentioned, Tom, Paul had to process it, and he was hurt, and then he was over it, and then yeah. he, you know, obviously he was like, okay, you know what? I'm done with this now. Now I'm gonna. I've processed it. I've grieved. I moved on. Now I'm gonna make the announcement because I think he had spent right. those six to eight months devastated that John said that, and then. Right. Obviously, Apple Tail spit, you know, going into hell, and Klein and Klein and Eastman's battling. Once, once he got over that, he was, and then he started making McCartney, and then you know, and, now, and then he's like, okay, huh, I'm over it. This is over. Right. Guess what? We're done because yeah. he took. And you brought up see- a good point. Yeah, yeah. You brought up a good yeah. point with it. You know, the depression and the drinking and whatnot. Look, I mean, John was okay with it, right? I mean, he's out doing all his things. He's he's releasing singles. He's doing, you know, appearances with with Yoko. He's doing, you know, this and that with the Plastic Ono band. Obviously, he's doing fine, you know. You're not taking under consideration what this might mean for the other three, right? Especially, especially Paul. Uh, you know, John, John, George, and Paul. What they they've been together yeah. since what fifty eight, fifty seven. You, know? you know, but 57? I think on, on some level too, it affected John too. He just threw himself into work with Yoko and almost as a distraction. Mm-hmm. On some level, it hurt him too. He just, you know, he he was all mm-hmm. tied up with Yoko to kind of disguise a little bit of it. In my opinion, I think it hurt him as well. He just would never admit it. Mm. I, okay. I think he, I think he had the cushion of Yoko because because right. she was a, a, an artist and ideas about this and about that and the, these things were in in tandem with his thinking as well. He had this kind of cushion, a yeah. distraction, I think, and I, I don't think that Paul had that. Paul was, you know, so the Beatles, Beatles, Beatles. You know, right. he, was, he was so into it, and he. You know when this 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 happened, but I think you know in a way, you know I think you're right, Tom. You know it, it had been eight months since John had said it. Nothing had really moved on, or 
had been resolved. And, you know, he's probably thinking, well, look, we're not going to, this isn't going to get fixed. And right. I've now got to get on with it. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, Andy, you're number two, you're number one. Sorry, number one. Yeah, my number one, uh, you mentioned it before, was your number four. It's my number one. It's Paul choosing mm -hmm. to sue the Beatles to, to save, ultimately, the Beatles' legacy. Um, yeah. that's clearly my number one. I, yours was also up there, but that to me is the number one single most important thing that he's done on his own, um, to ensure that the legacy remained. And, you know, again, we've talked about, he filed the writ on the 31st of December in 1970. And all those, the lawsuits all happened in January and February in the, the trial and which he went to, I think you can see some photos of him and Paul, him and Linda walked when he had the beard and stuff. And mm -hmm. obviously they were getting ready to work on Ram. So I think that that singular decision is what is why the Beatles can continue to be relevant today and, and be marketable. And then, cause they would have been under the, under the, uh, the nose of the Klein estate and, and right. th that single-handedly saved himself and the other three Beatles and, and, and their families and their families' families. And, you know, at the time it wasn't viewed that way. And, I think really ultimately that all that one decision also too, because all oh, Paul broke up the Beatles and he's suing the Beatles also led critics to unfairly review his albums because, oh, he's mm -hmm. just the one who's suing them all. So now they're going to slog off wildlife and Red Rose Speedway and call it <laughs> granny music. And I think because of that decision to sue the Beatles, that really kind of put a bug in journalists ear to view him a little more critically. You know, whereas John's going to get all the early praise, Plastic Ono Band and Imagine and what's this Ram and McCartney, you know, homemade crap. You know, this is Paul McCartney. Where's Abbey Road? And I think they right. they really took that decision when he sued them and really suited it to their advantage to to really Ill, to make him look in a really horrible light. And right. history has shown that he was right and they were wrong. So Richard Williams and all you people that slogged off the albums 50 something years ago. You were wrong, okay? And history has shown that you were wrong because you were you, you guys, you just took a view and you didn't really know. But you know what? To be fair, nobody knew the circumstances at the time. History has shown that, you know, obviously everything with Klein was doing and the Eastmans and all that crap aside. I, you know, I know you can only look at and analyze things as they happen. So right. we've got history's hindsight on our side here, but I still think that they were wrong to do that. And I think the lawsuit provided the impetus for them to say, oh, he's just the one suing all the Beatles, so we're going to just slag him off with our reviews. Yeah. Unfairly yeah. interesting. And I, yeah. I don't know what it was like for you guys in America, but I can remember the exact moment when that, that changed. You're absolutely right, and all the press were against McCartney. Any excuse whatsoever to slag him off, uh, you know, they took it. And I remember the exact moment that it changed. And that was when all the stuff with Heather Mills was going on, when they were splitting mm. up. And she was, you know, she was, uh, you know. Public enemy number one. Absolutely yeah. having a meltdown. And um, Paul is, you know, keeping quiet. And she's going on this show and that show and slagging him off. And the press, all of a sudden, the bloke that they've been slagging off for 30 years, wait a minute. He's a he's a national treasure. You, right. you can't talk about our Paul McCartney like <laughs> right now. And now, and that's, now. When now you that's when it changed. <laughs> Whenever that was in two thousand seven, was it or yeah, yeah, around then, around around then. <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden, Paul McCartney was a national treasure here in Britain. Right. And who is this awful woman that's going on daytime TV and having a meltdown? 
Right. And saying right. he's the most awful person, you'd leave our Paul alone. Right. <laughs> and, like, and you bring up a good like, point. We could, we could, right. we can slag Paul off, but you can't. That's right. Kind of what yeah. that right. Is. Yeah. <laughs> and you bring up a good point too about him keeping quiet during that period because oh, yeah. he tended to he, he 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 tried to do that throughout his that that whole time. You know, especially yeah, during did. the John McCartney press feud. You know, he wanted just to, you know keep it under the keep it under the covers, you know, it's just between him and I, you know, but here, you know, here's John trying to egg him on, you know, trying to get, and, and he just wants to keep it quiet and move on with his life. But yeah, good point there. But uh, Tone, okay, number one for you, my friend. Okay, well, I'm not sure this is the most important thing that he's ever got, he's ever got right, but uh, I think right. it was quite important from for us from the fans' point of view, and it's a song here today, that's what I'm going oh. for. So, oh, okay. I think that that this is this is one of these songs uh, which was the right song at the right time. So mm. uh, you know, I uh, I can I can tell you guys are younger than me. I'm not sure when you got when right. when you got on 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 this 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 journey this boat. But you know, I I, I was already a few years into mine when John the day that John was killed, and mm. you know I remember seeing on the news. Paul being interviewed, coming out of the studio, total days, you know, it's a real, you know, chewing gum, it's a real drag, isn't it? And yeah. that was, oh my God, this is like the worst thing you could have possibly say. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm I'm 19 at that, at that time, you know, a, a little bit later, you kind of realise that, you know, he is in total shock and that, that isn't, it wasn't, you know, just, just, a bit of a drag, um, but when it when Tug of War came out and uh, he 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 released this song here today, uh, I think it kind of put things right. I think that we kind of we kind of needed a Beatle to come out and say something positive about what yeah. had happened, uh, and we we we'd had uh, all those years ago. George had already done done right. that, I think the year the, the year before but we what we really wanted was Paul to say come out and say something about his relationship with with John and this is you know this is only right. sort of two years after uh he's been been killed and I think that that was you know I think that that, that was imp important from I think it was important from his point of view and I think it was important from a fan's point of view that he did come out and do this really lovely right. song uh, about you know telling everyone how much he loved him, and I think that was important. Right. You think it was a that's, moment of that's closure? It right you think there. there was a moment of yeah. closure for him too, Tone? I think so. Yeah, I think I, I, I mean I'm not sure if it's I, I'm not sure if it's closure is that is is the right word because I think that there are there are <clears> moments <throat> where he still I think it still hits him. One of the things that happened at Glassbury, and I'm not sure if the, I, I, I mean, I really hope it, it, it wasn't staged, and he, you're not going to tell me that he did it all on the, on the, on the get back shows. But when he did the thing with, with John behind him, um, mm. I, I've got a feeling, and when, when that finished, you could kind of see that he, he was physically moved by that, and he said, you know, he said that. Um, you know, he said, "I know this is, I know this is virtual, but this is me and John singing together again, 
and 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 then it cut. And you could you could see he was he was physically moved by that, and it kind of and then it panned to people in the crowd, and they people, you know, these people were weren't even born when you know when John was alive, and you know, there's tears running down their face. It was it was a a really you know lovely moment. So I think that there are there are little moments that that you know that still catch him, mm. like the Amoeba gig when he did here today at the Amoeba gig, and he starts to crack up during the song and all credit right. to him for leaving that on the album to, you yes, know, right, to let us yes. hear that you know because there's yeah. only a thousand people that actually saw that live in the shop um you know all credit to him for leaving it but you can hear that his voice physically cracks and he says something after the song right. you know you know we're all growing up we're allowed to cry if we want or whatever, <laughs> he, says, whatever he says so i'm not sure if it, i'm not sure if it was complete closure but I, th I think it was um, I think it might have been a bit of closure for us as fans maybe maybe mm -hmm. it was on record it, it, it's all it, it, it's all okay you know um, you know they did yeah. still love each other it bookends yes. it bookends the beginning of that you know post breakup and then that kind of is the final word on it kind of to, to you know to be okay like at the end of the day we're just two friends that you know care about each other so yeah mm. Yeah. yeah, no, well, that's, that's a great that that's a great number yeah. one tone, and then yeah. worthy worthy of its ranking. Okay, yeah. thank you. Yeah, very good, very good. Well, that puts a wrap on uh, our opinions on five things that McCartney got right uh, through his career. Now it's on to you. Leave in the comments section. What are some of the things that you think Paul McCartney got right? Whether it's you know working with Elvis Costello or Nigel or or the Band on the Run album. I mean, there can be so many things. I mean, obviously uh, these picks that I mean that's not it. You know, there's right. plenty more that that Paul has gotten right throughout it his. Could be, his uh, yeah. cook of that, it could going be back, cook of the house. It could be cook of the house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, going back to Capitol back in uh, seventh was it sixteen? I think it was. Uh, yep. I think was probably a good, good, good move on his part. But uh, but yeah, in the comment section, please uh, let us know what your thoughts are. Uh, Tone, let's uh, let's plug your channel one more time. Tell us. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about it, and it's on YouTube, right? And tell them where to find it. Uh, well, you just you just look for Beatley Tones Beatles channel, and you you'll, you'll, you'll find it. And uh, right. please, if you if you uh, if you if you like what you've seen seen here, come along and have a look at some of the videos. And if you like them, please subscribe and like and right. notification bell and all the rest of the stuff. Uh, and it's a channel I'm trying to grow over time. What's uh thoughts on what what do you got coming up for the uh the channel more uh, archive videos and stuff like that? Yeah, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be doing. Uh, I'm I'm quite enjoying doing the deep. I'm doing two sets of deep dives at the moment, and they they take quite a long time to put together. And that's a, a deep dive review of. I'm, I'm, I'm attempting to do every album, uh, you know, uh. over, over time. And I've got this. <laughs> I've got this great big, like league table. Of all the right. reviews that I've done so far, because what I'm doing is, uh, when, when I'm doing these these reviews, I'm scoring each track out of ten, and then I'm mm -hmm. dividing it by the number of tracks to get an average for the album, and then I'm plonking the album <clears throat> into this chart. So I'm pitching, you know, John's album was against George's, against Paul's, and against the Beatles, right. and mm. you know, because everybody needs to know where <laughs> whether. <laughs> You know, Yellow Submarine is a better album than Extra Texture. 
Nice. So I'm doing those, and I'm doing these these deep dives into the archive collection where I'm showing everything that comes comes in the box and all the usual stuff. I, you know, I'm going to be doing. Uh, so hopefully, if my revolver arrives arrives on release day, I'll be doing the unboxing mm. of those, and obviously there'll be a follow up review of it, and you know my thought on the album and the outtakes mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff. And you know, periodically I'm doing you know news items as and when they they come up and rankings and stuff like that rankings are always fun to do and for everyone to argue about so yes <laughs> everybody's got a love-hate relationship with ranking videos always yeah. yeah yeah very good very good thank you tone andy what you got coming up with your uh channel congratulations you just uh, surpassed 100 uh subscribers uh on your new channel yeah, Andy's music bolt the other leg. Uh, when when I when I get the time, which is almost never, I'll do another one. I try to post one one <laughs> once a month, but the Genesis one is about a month old now. So if I find time, I'll post another video on about another group that's non-Beatle related and uh, do a little bit of a deep dive myself into somebody else. Maybe the Beach Boys, or the Who, or, or the Moody Blues, or ELO. Those are the ones that are floating around right now, possibly for the next mm -hmm. one that I will do. But when it's up. You'll see it. So thanks for the people that have subbed to that channel. It's just something else to do outside of the Beatle world, you know, which we're so connected in 24-7. It's nice, actually nice right. to switch off from the Beatle world and do some <laughs> other stuff. So that's what's right. cooking for me. Cool. All right. My other show, Talk More Talk. Um, by the time this is uh, posted, we will have interviewed author Chris Englehart, who uh, has a, a series of books about Beatles Undercover. Uh, this is the first one, The Beatles Undercover. And what it is is pretty much uh, all the, the work that they did with other artists, whether or not they're producing other artists, lending their vocal talents or or, or, or instrumental talents, uh, whatever, whether it's, um, you know, Lennon producing Pussycats or, you know, George helping Splinter or, you know, Ringo drumming on, you know, you know, many, you know, thousands of Harry Nielsen, Harry Nielsen, Harry Nielsen, exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, Paul, you know, doing, you know, giving uh, John Christie uh 4th of July, you know, all of that good stuff is, is here in, in, in this volume. And there's a second volume. Um, these books came out, uh, you know, 10 years or so. And now he's just releasing uh, the third book, which is a combination of the two and an updated version of, of the years that have passed since uh, the release of his second uh, book. So that's Talk More Talk, and that's on YouTube as well. So please check that out. Uh, for Two Legs, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Two Legs Podcast. Um, you know, again, the YouTube channel, Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast. Please, uh, you know, like and subscribe uh, to, uh, to that show there, please. And uh, if you're watching audio, uh, and if you want to see the video, you know, come on over and uh, we're welcome to uh, see your comments. You can email us at twolegspodcast at gmail.com and all that good stuff. So, uh, Tone, I want to thank you again uh, for coming on the show and, and, and giving us your, your thoughts on this topic. We had a great time uh, with this and uh, hopefully we'll see you again in the future on the show. Uh, Andy, you know, as always, my friend, it's, it's, it's so great doing this show with you over the last uh, three plus years now so it's yeah uh, incredible you know. yeah and thanks very yeah. much for having me on i've had an yeah. absolute ball it's been great talking to both of you uh for the first, first time i've ever done uh what do they call these a collaborative video or a guest yes. spot or something my virginity is now gone uh, <laughs> uh, 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 uh,
<laughs> Tone, I hope for your sake you're I've Amazon. Abs- I've absolutely loved it. Thanks for having me on. If you ever want me to have me on again, just say the word and I'm here. Will do. Tone, right. I hope for your sake your Amazon guy comes and you have your oh, box on Friday. So right. <laughs> and and don't forget, you never forget your first. Right? No, you don't. You don't. You don't. Yeah. Anyways, uh, okay, that's so that's gonna wrap it up this week for us, guys. We'll see you again soon. So as always, have a great day and a beautiful night. Take care, everyone. See you. Thank you. Bye. Tom Hanyadi and Andy Nichols, with musical contributions by Dylan.